0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Mythgard Academy. This is session number 21 of our discussion of Inferno. As we continue tonight, we're going to get pretty close to the very end of the Malabolgia, which is kind of exciting. That's certainly progress. As we get down towards the Ninth Circle, uh, which uh, is... um, where we've been headed all along yeah so my background here is well okay like honestly very few of the backgrounds uh in hell have been extremely appealing i'm surrounded by like naked bodies here this evening bodies are kind of the theme of course they've been a running theme throughout inferno um but um uh I- Bodies in various uh, stages of the lack of bodily integrity uh, are kind of uh, the theme of the ninth and 10th pouches uh, there. Um, Stephen is wondering which we'll finish discussing first, the Council of Elrond or Hell? Oh, no question. No question, we'll come to the end of hell before we come to the end of the Council of Elrond. I can pretty much promise you that <laughs> by a good bit, I suspect. Uh, I'll be I'll be surprised, Stephen, if we're not halfway through our next uh, book before we get to the end of the Council of Elrond in uh, exploring the War of the Rings. Um, but um, anyway, okay. Um, so just before we start, uh, just real quick, um, just a brief announcement. I mentioned last week that MythMoot is going to be a hybrid event this year. It's going to be both in person and also a fully digitally, a fully digital interactive experience. Um, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. We still have not yet posted the registration links for that so if you haven't seen those it's not just you uh we're finalizing some things you want to make sure to get everything lined up and, uh, and all and then those will be open i hope those will be open uh next week uh as we Continue to work on those, but stay tuned for registration links uh, for both upgrades. If you can, if you've already signed up for the digital experience, but would like to come in person instead, um, and of course, uh, links for people to sign up that way from scratch. So that will be coming soon. All right. Um, so I said it the last time that we would begin by asking the question because I still don't know why. What, what? What's the sin? The Folks on fire that we were talking about last week. What are your ideas um, about the um, about why the people who are wreathed in flame, the people with the tongues of flame up there at the tip of the, you know, whose, uh, the tips of whose flames are like tongues. Remember that whole, like, translation thing, the whole Sicilian bull episode there uh, in Canto 27? And then, obviously, Ulysses, right, being the big one there. So what do we think? What do we think? Now, one thing that I want to remind folks of because this was a trend we were noticing especially at the very beginning of the malabolesha as we were beginning first beginning to think about fraud um and we've kind of haven't talked about it as much lately but i don't think i don't think there's any evidence that it's any less true i think the pattern has continued we just haven't been talking about it as much um but um the pattern that I'm referring to is the fact that the fraud, one of the major trends among all of the different kinds of fraud that we were seeing in the first, like, four or five pouches, um, was that there was actual, like, gain involved, right? It was about, it was about an often financial gain. Um, So fraud being, so not just, like, I'm deceiving somebody, you know, for, like, some random, like specifically, there was usually money changing hands. Um, uh, this was, th- these were ways, not necessarily just thievery, um, but um, uh, either facilitating or directly involved in getting money out of folks. Um, and that was, um, that was, that was an interesting thing. And I think it remains true. I think it remains true. I don't want to, I don't bring that in because I'm saying like we need to take that as a rule and apply that as a rule. Um, I mean, if it doesn't continue to fit, it doesn't continue to fit, but, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. So Bruce is suggesting that it's definitely counseling people to commit fraud themselves. Okay, so it's not directly defrauding someone else, Bruce, is your argument, um, but that it is urging or convincing other people to commit fraud. Um, Ulysses, of course, is one of the the biggest. Now, we saw the second guy, the Italian dude, right? The guy who is so relieved that uh, fortunately nobody would be able to bring this tale back to the surface. Um that guy was a was a counselor right and he was the one who was um compelled by the pope right who uh who had lived a bad life and had become a friar in order to save his soul right uh you know so he was living his latter years in repentance uh for his misspent life uh but then like he was like you know drawn out of retirement by the pope who had promised to absolve him of his sins in advance but that didn't pan out and um yeah yeah um yeah um yeah now it's interesting because on the one hand the fraud if there was anyone who was defrauded in that last um incident, it would seem to be or at least the um the sinner himself, through the medium of the tongue of flame, right, like the Sicilian bull, um, he seemed to suggest or imply that he was the victim there, right? The pope totally defrauded him. The pope was all like, I absolve you in advance. So he was like, so I did it because, like, I was absolved in advance. Like, what could happen? Um Yeah, and I was kind of making fun of him throughout at how much, uh, how little responsibility he was taking for his choices and his own actions. Um, But you know, uh, nevertheless, again, he did not defraud the Pope in that he gave him what he asked for, right? I mean, he asked for sound advice, and he gave him sound advice. Now, sound advice to achieve a bad end, and perhaps again, Bruce, as you were suggesting conspiring at fraud there, right, as Bruce is saying, he his counsel to the Pope was promise much but not deliver. Um, so yes, like somebody was being swindled there, right? It wasn't the Pope, um, th- that is, the Italian dude wasn't, whose name I've forgotten, uh, is not was not doing the, the swindling, right? But he was advising uh, on the swindling. And the same could be said um, of Ulysses, um, that Ulysses uh, also, that the big fraud, right, is the Trojan horse, right, the Trojan horse as act of fraud, um, which um, is the way that it is, was described, like that was, that was, that was clear, that fraud was being associated, or that the, the, the element of fraud, um the element, that element of deception, the fraudulent gift um, as, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the queer act of fraud there. Um, now, there was also the business about the Palladia, right? Um, the theft of the Palladium. And in particular, that one weighs really strongly with me because of the Diomedes connection, right? Because of the way that Ulysses and Diomedes are connected there in death and the sort of joint exploit uh, that they took part in was the theft of the Palladium. So so um, that, uh, and it's one of the few things, um, it's one of the few elements for which, like, in which Ulysses was directly involved you know, I mean, he was um, he was a famous counselor, right? I mean, he was uh, that's why he was recruited by the Greeks. I mean, yes, he's a great warrior too, but um, but primarily he's the wily counselor. Um, and so Ulysses thought up a lot of plans, but was rarely the one uh, in the Greek army who was executing them, except for the theft of the Palladian. Um, but yeah, Tony, sinful counselors, yes. Yes, but I, so I think it's. I mean, it's it is an interesting theory, Bruce, and it's better than anything I had, um, theory-wise. Um, because the, the thing that I would emphasize, uh, Bruce, which I'm sure you would too, is the emphasis in the case of both of them on talk, right, on speech. Um, the way that the tongues of flame themselves emphasize the speech. Uh, the way that we get this like displaced speech. From especially from the Italian counselor, right? Um, uh, that, um, that seems it seems crucial, right? It seems and, and not and not only just that it was the instrument of torture, right? That it was the instrument of um uh, you know how they were being punished, um, but that it was also the vicarious voice, the way that it was like the mediator, the flame was the mediator between speaker and hearer was really drawing attention to words. Um, And the, what, like the disconnect between the people and their words, right? Especially, again, especially with the Italian counselor and all that stuff. Um, uh, And you're right. Arthur, they were also, in fact, uh, liars whose pants were verily on fire. Um, uh, perfectly true. Um, yeah, and so, but I'm not sure, Arthur, that I'd say that they were exactly seducing people into sin, because again, like the Pope, right? I mean, come on. Right. Like the the, when the pope comes to this counselor, if anybody's doing the seducing, I mean, again, like we get this guy's really partial and lame, uh, you know, sort of self uh, exculpating version of the story, um, which was pretty transparent there from the beginning. That is the transparency of his trying to shovel off blame onto the pope and uh, to make himself out to be innocent. But nevertheless, it's certainly clear that it wasn't him, you know, leading the pope into temptation there at that point. Um, so, um, uh, so yeah, I, it, I, I like the idea. I like the idea of the um, the counselors. It's not that I think that they are necessarily sinning against the people they're counseling. Again, that's that's the thing I've always had a hard time with. Like you know, I, I, fraudulent counselors is how this is almost always labeled. Right? People always casually say, "Oh, it's the circle that, you know, it's the pouch of the fraudulent counselors," um, and that never seemed to me right. Um, not quite right, anyway. I mean, it's close that 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 the giving of counsel should be the um, connecting element between Ulysses and the other dude sure like that makes a lot a lot of sense right but again it's not their counsel that was fraudulent so what i like about it is the idea that basically it's people who are it's emphasizing their responsibility the power of their words right they counseled to the fraud they didn't commit the fraud themselves right they conspired to commit fraud they advised people to you know fraud was committed on their say so right on their advice um but they uh but that doesn't make them not guilty that doesn't mean that they're innocent of fraud right or even that they're going to end up in some different place right they end up here uh instead um exactly tony they are neighbors that's, that's exactly right um yeah, evil counselors rather than fraudulent counselors. Yes. I mean, I think evil counselors is more uh accurate, though l- not very specific, though. Um, um yes, professional fraud advisors for hire. Exactly. Need some fraud perpetrated, come come to us. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um yeah, yeah. Um now the last thing that I would um uh, yeah. Oh, Serena, that's really, really good. It's a really good point. Serena, um, says that Guido, thank you. I keep forgetting the Italian dude's name. I can stop calling him Italian dude. Uh, Serena was pointing out that, um, uh, the emphasis on words, she says, makes a little more sense out of the whole strange bit about Virgil saying goodbye to, to Ulysses stage and then Guido quoting what he said, right? So we still get Virgil's words to Ulysses, but not directly right? Um, And as as she says, it's about, you know, speech, more speech, no speech, reported speech, right? Again, that kind of distancing between um, uh, the speaker and the words, right? But of course, it's Virgil there, right? So we get Virgil's words at a distance, which is interesting, right? In fact, we're getting Virgil's words at the greatest distance, because Guido, who quotes Virgil, his words, including the quote of Virgil, are distanced from him, right, and mediated through the flame. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Now, Dvorak says, if they advised fraud, where are the people who took their advice? You know, have we been told that? Um, well, I mean, the Pope is. We know where the Pope is, uh, or we see where he's going, um, and that's uh, back with the Simonists, right? Because that uh, that one kind of trumps this one. Um, as far as the significance of the crime is concerned, um, but um, uh, but anyway, yeah, um, we saw sorry, what I'm thinking about right now is I'm scanning back in my mind and trying to remember other Trojan war heroes, other Greeks specifically, um, that is other folks who perpetrated the fraud uh Devorah of the um you know the Trojan horse and the only one I can remember offhand is Achilles um he was with the lustful but he wasn't involved in the with the Trojan horse anyway he was already dead by then so um uh so I uh, you know that he that wouldn't be relevant but um yeah yeah um right Marilyn is saying sinful use of words. Yeah, and you know what's interesting to me, Marilyn? What's interesting to me is that I would have expected expected there to have been more emphasis on words in the circle of fraud, right? But there there's not been so much. It's not that it's never come up, right? Some of them have been guilty of fraud. Uh, I mean, okay, they've all been guilty of fraud. Some of them have been guilty of fraud by words, but not all that many. It's, it's, it's not, I mean, like, we've seen things like, you know, pimping and seducing and divination and taking bribes and, um, you know, stuff like that, you know, uh, simony, right? Um, but... Um, uh, yeah yeah but we don't um uh we don't have that many folks. we have the flatterers right they were big word people um but it's been it's been a minority i think which is interesting to me uh marilyn and again it's it it gives um it gives an interesting weight, I think, to your observation there. Again, others have used fraudulent words, but again, the thing that makes these guys interesting is that their words themselves are not fraudulent. Again, take the flatterers, right? Flatterers are using words, but they're committing their fraud through their words, right? The flattery that they utter is itself fraudulent, right? It is, it, it is in fact, the, the fraudulent act. Whereas these counselors, uh, neither one of them, their words were not fraudulent. They were about fraud, right? They were uh, true, accurate, savvy, cunning words, um, which maintained faithfulness with, like, they, they maintained their integrity with the person who hired them, right? Again, they were doing their job. They were not defrauding the people they were counseling. Um, they were counseling people how to defraud people, right? So it's um, it's sort of indirect by the medium of words um, at a distance in that way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The hypocrites, Bruce, yes, yes, I think so. Um, I think so, though the hypocrisy of the hypocrites would clearly also extend beyond mere words, right? Like other forms of outward show by which one was committing hypocrisy, um, and not only words, but, but yeah, I mean, words certainly would be involved And words would be involved, you know, in many of the others, like so the seducers presumably used words too. Um, but, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, weird, sorry, people are saying I'm getting Having mic issues, which is strange. My mic should not be having issues. And I have no explanation for my mic having issues. Oh, dear. But my mic isn't dying. That would be uh, disquieting. So let me know if it continues. I don't know what to do if it does continue, to be perfectly frank. But I guess I could try to switch to another mic source. Um, Anyway, yeah. Let me know. Okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and Alistair uh, in uh, in YouTube, as you point out, um, the um, being like sort of planting the seed of a fraudulent idea that others carry out in some ways carries more weight than the individual act of fraud. And I I agree. I mean, I would, you know, point out uh, in support of that that of course those guys were in the what eighth pouch, right? Um, So if we do conclude that the you know the further we get towards the middle um the worse things get then yeah like they're they're worse than the flatters for instance um with whom we were just um um uh we were just uh just speaking so okay um yeah yeah, um, but but you're right, Stephen, that is clearly the point. Um, as counselors, they're responsible for their counsel, advising others to sin is itself sinful. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, that I think is uh, uh, is a, uh, a good lesson. Now, okay, one last question that I can't forbear to answer. It's a dangerous question because I have no idea the answer myself, but I, then again, I'm not usually afraid of those questions, especially not in this discussion. So Why do we get the long story about Ulysses' trip uh, by sea, going out beyond the pillars of Hercules, going down with the ship when he comes to the isle with the high mountain, which is going to turn out to be Mount Purgatory, but looks a lot like Tiniquatil if you squint. Um, What do we make of that? now? I'm not saying that I necessarily think that Ulysses, that that incident has to be like the sin for which Ulysses is down there. It seems to me entirely possible, at least possible, um, if not definite, but at least possible that he, um, you know, we get at the beginning what his sin was, right? What he did to, you know, get down there, um, you know, which was, because we're told about the Trojan horse and the, you know, both the Trojan horse and the Palladian are mentioned very early on. Um, So we get those at the beginning, and then we just get this other story, because remember, Virgil asks him not what he did to get down into hell, but how he died specifically. Please, you know, Virgil elicits that story. Tell us the story of how you died. And USC is like, oh, okay, sure. I'll tell you the story of how I died, which is interesting because it's also like the unpublished sequel <laughs> to the Odyssey, right? Which Virgil never wrote. Um, uh, so that's kind of interesting, uh, in that um, uh, in that way. Um so, so right. Uh Bruce, maybe he's doing uh research for his <laughs> Virgil or is <laughs> doing doing research for the sequel. I don't know. Um, but um Uh, But yeah, I mean, Serena, I agree. I mean, the kind of relevance that it has about, uh, relevance that it has to Dante and the potential hubris of his art in his journey. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to avoid that, I think. Um, um, There's much in what Ulysses does, which is kind of Dantean, right? Um, uh, Going beyond mortal limits uh transgressing i mean he literally is going to end up in the place which is next on dante's itinerary right um namely mount purgatory right that 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 place which ulysses attempted to go transgress in transgression right out of hubris and arrogance um dante is um you know been called and approved to go to so there is both you know contrast but also some caution and similarity there um uh yes you know sarah says i assume it isn't just because dante wanted to add his two cents to the homeric epics right well which which remember he doesn't know themselves but um do I think it's impossible that he just wanted to add his two cents, uh, you know, to this sort of epic tradition around Ulysses? No, I don't think that's impossible at all. Um, um, I mean, in you know, in fact, Sarah, I mean, if we think back, right, we just had the, um, remember the take that uh, uh, um, Lucan, right? Take that Ovid uh, um, poetic one-upsmanship thing back with the snakes? Is he one-upping Homer here? Does he think he's one-upping Homer? Um, I mean, again, he, he's not read Homer, and he knows he's not read Homer, but he does also know that Homer wrote the Odyssey, uh, the the story of, um, of Odysseus, which, of course, and the whole arc of that poem is about going home. It's about the return to the homeland um, and to not only give sort of a sequel to that, but to undo it, essentially, right? By saying, "Well, having arrived home, um, Odysseus says, yo, forget it, I'm at, this is lame, right? Hey, Penelope, thanks for waiting. Hey, Telemachus, right? Good to see my son finally, but um I'm out of here. <laughs> forget it this is this is so boring. I'm going to the end of the year. Um, I get the way that it kind of um, like unmakes. Uh, the end of the Odyssey now again, he doesn't know the Odyssey he's not really connecting to that um to that work directly um but indirectly and again, his sympathies are pretty strongly virgilian um i think uh rather than homeric so um that he Dante would in some sense set himself to kind of one up um uh homer uh you know i in sort of indirectly um m- I mean that would make sense of course serena that doesn't do much for the whole caution against hubris angle right uh makes you that would make you kind of wonder if he was uh you know paying attention Uh, uh, yeah yeah um now stephen is thinking about sort of the spiritual angle on it which i think is a really important one stephen because of course stephen is remembering the whole tongues of flame connection right which connects both you know gives this whole pentecost um connection right to that whole pouch um and thinking about the displacement of words and um and the giving of counsel as well right the way that this the 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 holy spirit descends uh upon the apostles um and gives them words right so that there's also uh in its way pentecost the story of Pentecost itself also is about a certain kind of distance between um, words and between like the words and the the words and the speakers, right? The speakers at Pentecost are saying words that they don't understand. They they don't know what they are saying because they don't speak the languages in which they are speaking. Many of their hearers do, but they don't speak the language, so that there, again, there's a, there's a distance between the speaker and the words uh, in the case of, Pen- of Pentecost. Now it's different, right? It's sort of twisted, and it's turned into torment. Again, remember the Sicilian bull, uh, as we discussed that. Um, but, um, uh, but anyway, so uh, Stephen was talking about, um, we also get, of course, Ulysses drawing near to salvation the wrong way, Right, like he's trying to invade the undying lands and seize eternal life for himself or something like that. Who would do that? Right, um, that's crazy. Um, and like, don't wouldn't you think like the ground would open up under somebody who did something like that? And sure enough, the sea does open up and he's dropped down into the abyss, like you would expect would happen, right? Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, um, that's. yeah yeah that's strange um so yes so i'm trying to kind of correlate the two or the three the many different points that we're sort of making here Stephen, that point does kind of come back around um come back around to the um it does kind of come back around to the the journey. Um, and what am I trying to say? Dante's hubris is what I'm get, coming back around to, right? That Dante, his journey is licensed, right? And it's not just the tour of the afterlife that he's being given. Remember that on the... Personal and individual level, this is also Dante's own journey to salvation. Um, In the end, the poem will, spoiler, the poem will end with Dante seeing God face to face. Um, That is the whole poem, right? At the end of Paradiso, that's what's going to happen. Um, So there is this salvation arc. For Dante's character um, throughout this whole poem as well, so this is one of the things that I'm kind of reminded of um, when uh, when we when we think about the um, Dante's character um, the kind of sketchy things I'm thinking back in particular to. The number, the, the several recent, and they seem to be almost increasing, really, references to fame, right? Like fame in the world is what matters. And Dante, he's now going around. Like, there were a couple of people who said, ah, you who are in the world, you can tell me this. Or, um, uh, you know, occasionally this would be kind of held out as like, I shall return to the overworld and I shall tell everybody the truth about you, Um. Dante's throwing around that promise like candy uh, down here in the Malibolgia, And even when he doesn't, it's being emphasized, ironically, as it was with Guido in the in the previous uh, in the previous canto. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just an interesting thing to remember. Right. Um, Dante might be screwed up right dante might be screwing up right i mean he 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 we may be seeing him sin um and i think that's one of the things that might well be that might, he might be dramatizing essentially um his own cuz remember he has a his a, a great deal of spiritual progress himself yet to make um uh he's not even gotten to the point that ulysses almost got to right um okay But I have an idea. Let's move on to our first slide. (laughs) Okay, next circle. Who, even with untrammeled words and many attempts at telling, could ever recount in full the blood and wounds that now I saw? Each tongue that tried would certainly fall short, because the shallowness of both our speech and intellect cannot contain so much. Okay, so hang on a second here. Let's start with that part. words again, right? Uh, speech, except now it's the inadequacy of speech. And he talks about, on the one hand, this is a testimony to the quantity of gore and wounds that he is going to be, you know, describing and, you know, that he saw, right? Um, if you took many attempts at telling and your words were totally untrammeled, right? you could go on and on as long as you wanted um who even under those circumstances could recount in full the blood and wounds that now I saw um but I'm particularly interested by each tongue that tried would certainly fall short because of the shallowness of both our speech and intellect cannot contain so much um so each tongue that tried this is like what a couple dozen lines after that description of the tongue of flame uh on Guido's fire right uh so i have um um i have a, um sort of suspicion here right um that dante is you know to see dante now talking about um the shallowness of our speech, speech and intellect right um speech and intellect <laughs> Tarlonio, I agree this is one of the not to be read while eating circles yes uh this one um has, uh this one gets a little bit gruesome <laughs> but um you can't say he doesn't warn you, you can't say he doesn't warn you, okay um. Sorry, sorry, I'm pausing for a second because I I'm, i can't help but think to kind of correlating the um, the shallowness of speech and intellect here, right? The failure of tongues because of the shallowness of speech and intellect and the um, uh, the distance, the separation of speech from intellect uh, in the previous canto. Um, I'm not quite sure what to do with that. Anyway, okay, how about move on? Were you to reassemble all the men who once within Apulia's fateful land had mourned their blood shed at the Trojans' hands, as well as those who fell in the long war where massive wounds of rings were, massive mounds of rings were battle spoils, even as Livy writes, who does not err? And then he goes on to talk about a bunch of other like descriptions of wars. And then were one to show his limb pierced through and, and, show his limb pierced through, and one his limb hacked off, that would not match the hideousness of the ninth abyss. Um, I didn't need to quote all of the. I I wasn't necessarily interested in looking at all of the catalogs of different wars and and, uh, warring cities that he was talking about, Um, but I did want to get to the end of the sentence, right, which is, if we reassembled all of the mutilated corpses, from all of the war poetry you know that that both classical and modern right um it would not match the hideousness of the ninth abyss right there are more mutilated corpses here than in all of those things put together um uh, arthur is suspecting perhaps the people are down here because of uh they are guilty of the sin of believing that Livy does not err. <laughs> Probably not. Um yeah, yeah. Um Yes, the ineffability of violence, Serena. Exactly. Exactly. Um Yeah, Serena, I would say both that his emphasis is on the inadequacy of words and the overwhelming horror of the violence, but I agree with you, it may well be uh the second, right, but but see against that sentence, right? Um, that sentence doesn't say anything about the magnitude of the subject. It only speaks of the inadequacy of the medium, right, the intellect and speech. but anyway, um, okay, so the immediate context that we're given at the beginning is military. Right, is it's martial and it's not only military, because um, it's not only wars that he is pointing to; it's literary accounts of wars that he's alluding to, um, which is particularly interesting. In other words, again, what one of the things that he's doing is kind of putting what he's doing here in the context of, you know, is this what like Livy eat your heart out, right? Like, so you know, he was already. Um, Uh, one-upping Ovid and maybe Homer, and now he's one-upping Livy also, right? Um, Not to mention um, all the men who once within Apulia's fateful land had mourned their blood shed at the Trojans' hands. That would be Virgil, right? Um, All of these other poets who have depicted all of these things. Um, uh, He's um all of everything they put they they described put together would not match what he is about to describe and evoke right gore and mutilation in the context of battles in the context of literary descriptions of battles okay No barrel, even though it's lost a hoop or end piece, ever gapes as one whom I saw ripped right from his chin to where we fart. His bowels hung between his legs. One saw his vitals and the miserable sack that makes of what we swallow excrement. While I was all intent on watching him, he looked at me, and with his hands he spread his chest and said, see how I split myself. See now how maimed Mohammed is. And he who walks and weeps before me is Ali, whose face is opened wide from chin to forelock. And all the others here whom you can see were, when alive, the sowers of dissension and scandal. And for this, they now are split. Okay. Um, So, yeah, Gerald, uh, I I agree. Gerald uh, says... Homer does a pretty good job of describing gruesomeness. Uh, too bad Dante didn't have Homer to do, uh, uh, to compare depictions with. You know, Gerald, I, I actually, it's a really good point. Um, though I would say, Gerald, Virgil follows Homer in that. Um, the very graphic description of what happens to people's bodies on the battlefield. Um, uh, I was going to cite some examples, but I suspect this canto is probably bad enough for some of you. Uh, So, I mean, so it's not like he does not have that kind of genre to work with. Right. But again, that's one of the reasons, Gerald, why I emphasize the literary depiction of battles angle here, um, because that does seem to me to be one of the like, again, he is kind of taking aim at uh, classical precedents. Right. And taking his place among them um okay now um schismatics schismatics absolutely um muhammad is here um muhammad is here because he is the sower of dissension he says right Um, sowers of dissension and scandal, and for this they now are split. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, one thing that's interesting here. Is that one thing that's interesting here is that the connection between the punishment and the sin is a lot clearer than we've seen in some time, right? In fact, it's hard to remember any clearer than this. Since well, arguably the diviners, uh, but the flatterers for sure. Um, but yes, like those who caused um, schisms are their bodies are split right uh, that's that's okay all right i'm i'm tracking there how is this fraud my little question malice okay bigger topic but how is it fraud exactly and does it fit with like the money stuff we were seeing it's interesting um and or how might that help us to understand this in particular um I always find this very interesting because this is very this is an unusual way to talk about Muhammad in the Middle Ages. I mean, Muhammad is, of course, roundly condemned in the Middle Ages. Um, I mean you know, the uh the you know the Saracens, the Muslims, uh, were the enemies of Christendom throughout the Middle Ages. Uh so, like, needless to say, they were the bad guys in many uh story and poem. Um, and Muhammad comes in for much criticism uh as you know, the chief and originating figure of the bad guys. Um, so like, there's nothing strange about finding him in Dante's hell, of course. Um, but this is a little bit more unusual um as a schismatic i mean there are a bunch of places where muhammad is depicted in christian medieval poems as an idolater which in an an islamic context is ridiculous right and sort of emphasizes how little uh you know the poet seems to have known or cared about the actual tenets of islam um but but again like that kind of thing like uh it, it's um you know to have if they had, if dante had put him among the blasphemers i wouldn't have batted an eye right um had he put him among the heretics would have seemed perfectly sensible Um, even if he had put him in the like circle seven, like uh, blasphemers are in circle seven too, but in the violent against others, even that, right? Uh, Because remember it was not only, um, it was not only uh, the like people who actually perpetrated acts of violence against the persons of other people, but also political, like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, invaders and usurpers were also there too. Um, so I get, you know, character. If if uh, Dante had chosen to characterize Muhammad primarily as some kind of like, you know, bandit chieftain who committed violence against other people and nations, that wouldn't have shocked me. Um, and I'm saying this. I'm not saying this absolutely shocks me, but it's a little surprising. I, I'm always a little bit surprised um, by this. Um, Bruce, for exactly that reason, Bruce is asking did they see Islam as a heresy of Christianity? Well, I mean, no, that's what I mean. Like they, that's not how they talked about it most of the time. Again, like it's more often to be put into the category of like pagan religions, essentially. Um, And if anything, the kind of like Old Testament language, right, about like Philistines and Canaanites and stuff gets borrowed. Um, uh, in, you know, some Christian, uh, poems about the crusades or, or, you know, like crusade era, Charlemagne stuff. Um, even I'm thinking of things like the song of Roland and stuff. Um, so that's, um, that's not, that's why I would have, uh, been less surprised to see him in almost any one of those other, um, of those other things. Um, So yeah, Stephen, I wonder, um, I wonder if this suggests that, So Stephen asked, does this suggest that Dante believed that Muhammad knew his teachings were false, right, that he was committing fraud, essentially? Um, I don't think so. I don't think that that's, what is happening here exactly but hang on to that stephen because i think it's 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 a good um it's a good kind of theory right tony you were thinking of a very similar thing right um yeah yeah um and stephen you're right i believe that saladin ended up in limbo yeah yeah um so it's not just a like categorical anti-muslim thing going on here Let's, let's keep thinking about this. Let's get some more data and look at the bigger picture. Behind us here, a devil decks us out. This is the explanation for how they come to be dismembered. Behind us here, a devil decks us out so cruelly, replacing every one of this throng underneath the sword edge when we've made our way around the road of pain because our wounds have closed again before we have returned to meet his blade once more. So they they go in the circ that they do a circuit of the pouch, and by the time they come all the way around the circumference, their horrible wounds have healed, and they get cut open again. So it's the act of it's not just the being severed, it's not just the being split open that is the punishment. It is the act of splitting that is the punishment. The the continually repeated act of splitting okay um and yeah carrie i agree it's not just about fraud like we can't be too distracted by fraud and thinking about you know like telling lies and trying to con people um it is clearly the divisions that are that are what matter here right this is about divisions i agree but who are you who dawdle on this ridge perhaps to slow your going to the verdict that was pronounced on your self-accusations Death has not reached him yet, my master answered. Nor is it guilt that summons him to torment, but that he may gain full experience. I, who am dead, must guide him here below, to circle after circle, throughout hell. This is as true as that I speak to you. Wait, what? This is as true as that I speak to you. The thing I just said is as true as the thing that I am just saying? Is it just me, or is that what that line means? This is as true. I must guide him. I who am dead must guide him here below to circle after circle throughout hell. This is as true as that I speak to you. What an odd thing to say. I mean, isn't that always true? (laughs) mean, anybody could say that any time, couldn't they, right? That thing that I said is as true as the thing that I just said. Um, as, as true as the fact that I am speaking to you. Aha, right, Kit and Sarah are explaining there. Okay, okay, good. I was thinking, right, Bruce, is okay, thank you, guys. I'm like, there's... God. I must be misreading that. Okay, 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 right. As true as that I speak to you. Not as that which I speak to you. Ah, Okay, right. It is as true, uh, the, the thing that I said is as true as the fact that I am speaking. Right. Which is itself an interesting thing to say, because there we see the logical opposite of the distancing between words and speaker that we were seeing in the previous stanza. Right With Virgil, the speech and the act of speaking are are the same. They're equally true, right? Um, what I say is as true as the fact that I am speaking. Um, there's this like different kind of identity of truth between the two of them. Yeah. Um, interesting. But anyway okay um so we've got them they're wondering so everybody like the all of the damned stop in their tracks and stare at dante stare at him now he's gotten some attention before but again doesn't it sound like virgil is having to explain this rather a lot here in the malabogia um Again, about, you know, Dante's body and the fact that he's still alive and the the that that you know the tour that Virgil is leading him on. Um it is not guilt that summons him to torment. No, no, no. Dante is not a damned sinner finding his place. And um you know what I can't help but wonder. Remember the number of times throughout the Malabolia we've seen it with the snake people we've seen it with the um uh the diviners we've seen we've seen a bunches of places where dante seems to identify where dante seems to connect himself like that places where his own posture imitates their posture um um there's been a bunch of um <clears throat> sort of there but for the grace of god go i right or maybe this is where i'm gonna be headed eventually um, about the Eighth Circle for Dante. Um, and <clears throat> it makes me wonder if that's part of what we're seeing going on here, right? That um, uh, that all the, pe- so uh, so many times the people that see him, right, the damn souls that are seeing him are like, oh, are you coming to join? Oh, 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 no, no, you're not. Okay, sorry. You just kind of looked like somebody who was coming to join us, right? Uh, sorry, my mistake, right? Um, that seems to, um, that seems to be continuing to happen. Um, and Devorah, it is interesting that nobody, neither Virgil nor Dante, corrected the guy Guido in the fire who thought that Dante was dead, who assumed that Dante was dead, uh, right, and could not possibly take his words back, uh, uh, back into the world. Um, yeah, yeah. Devorah, which has the, the result of connecting the words to the person right um what he did the sin that he committed doesn't he suggest that he kind of got away with it right nobody knows that he had done it and so that's why he's glad that the nobody hearing him could possibly spill the beans back in the world right um and yet Dante, of course, being alive uh, and being the poet, is going to be able to make that connection. So he's going to close the gap, to close the distance between the speaker and his words, right? And in that sense, undo like one of the layers of fraud, in a sense, right? Sorry, this right. just, is just what you made me think of there. Um, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Stephen says, I got away with it is an odd thing to think when one is literally in hell. Agreed. I absolutely agree. Which to me emphasizes the weirdness of all of this, like your legacy on earth thing, as if your fame on earth matters. Um, Stephen, that's precisely what I would have said to this guy. Like, what difference does it make? What anybody thinks of you, Mr. Condemned to eternal torment, right? What is your eternal torment going to be worse? Uh, if, uh, people uh, on earth who are also themselves going to die and perhaps some of them join you in torment, I uh, think well or ill of you, like who cares? But again, there's, that's me, that's me. Right. And I, that's me reading my Boethius and, and, um, you know, holding on to my Boethius and saying that fame doesn't really matter. Um, but I'm not sure that either Dante or Virgil necessarily agree with me on that point. Um, Yeah, exactly, Serena. Dante does seem to be very concerned about reputation, absolutely, as we see with all of this poetic one-offsmanship that's going on, right? But that reminds me to stick to the point here. Okay, Um, more than a hundred, when they heard him stopped within the ditch and turned to look at me, forgetful of their torture, wondering, wondering. Wow, he has brightened the day of just hundreds and hundreds of sinners there. Um yeah, yeah. Um Tony is wondering if perhaps the fact that they are still so concerned about their earthly reputation is a sign of why they ended up in hell in the first place. It's possible though again, I would say that Virgil and Dante would seem to be in some kind of danger in that case, but again maybe that's apt. Virgil does in fact live in hell, he lives in limbo, right? He lives in the nice neighborhood, but um, but he still is living in hell, he is not saved. And Dante is not yet saved either. Again, he's still in the opening stages of his salvation journey, he still has a lot to learn as well, perhaps. Um, okay, schismatics, division, focused. All right. Another sinner with his throat slit through and with his nose hacked off up to his eyebrows and no more than a single ear remaining had with the others stayed his steps in wonder. He was the first before the rest to open his windpipe on the outside all blood red, and said, Oh you whom guilt does not condemn, and whom, unless too close resemblance, cheats me, I've seen above upon Italian soil. Remember Pierre da, da Medicina, Med, 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 sorry, Medicina, I believe. If you ever see again the gentle plain that from Vercelli slopes to Marcabo. Okay. Okay. Um, one of the things that's interesting here is the variety of the mutilations now we shouldn't be shocked to see varieties we've seen lots of variety whether it be um like the variety of um the people interacting in various and disquieting ways with snakes or whether um uh you know there were other kinds of varieties that we've seen um but what I'm looking at here is I'm I'm, I'm 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 again collecting data for the overall pattern, right? How do we understand the sin of this circle, which again seems simple on the on the surface, right? Being a schismatic, and of course, I'm wanting still to loop that back to Muhammad, and also um, thinking about what this has to do with fraud exactly, um, and how we understand that. Um, this guy. So Muhammad was, well, unseamed from the chaps down past the nave, uh, we were told, uh, to <laughs> twist a Shakespeare quote. Um, um, but um, this guy's face is half slashed off. Um, I'm not, am I, is he talking through his windpipe? Is he actually speaking out of... Because his throat is slit, right? And he opens his windpipe on the outside. I, I think he is. I think he's actually talking through the slit wound in his throat. Um which would be challenging, right? Uh, Challenging to articulate that way. Uh, Talk about distance between the words and the tongue. We're just going to cut out the middleman entirely and doing words without the tongue. Um, uh, But okay, but okay. Um, Okay. the idea though that his words are emerging from like the, this so i mean he's um uh, his face is almost cut in half right he's got his he's cut through the face and his ear is one ear is removed um and he's slit across the throat so his his face is bisected and his throat is cut um and it's through the wound that he's speaking. Um, remember the gesture of Muhammad. He wasn't only split open. He was pulling the wound apart with his hands. That is, both Muhammad and Pierre here are both of them Utilizing, displaying, emphasizing. I'm tempted to say, though, it feels like a slightly uh, irresponsible word, word, identifying with their rifts, their splits, their cuts, right? Okay, let's keep going. Virgil, for the first time, I think ever in the entire poem so far tells him to move along right he's been instructing him to look again and again right look over there make sure he's giving him a tour he's supposed to see dante's job is to observe and to record what he sees right this is his job this is the first time that dante is rebuked now gently rebuked by virgil for looking too much Right, he's, he's staring down, and Virgil's like, come on, come on, let's, go, let's move it along here, right? Stop looking so much. But I stayed there to watch that company and saw a thing that I should be afraid to tell with no more proof than my own self, except that I am reassured by conscience, that good companion, heartening a man beneath the breastplate of its purity. Not his purity. Conscience is purity. So he has a pure conscience on this point, which is heartening him uh, so that he can tell this thing that he knows that he saw, but like he can barely believe it himself. I surely saw, and it still seems I see, a trunk without a head that walked just like the others in that melancholy herd. It carried by the hair its severed head, which swayed within its hand just like a lantern. And that head looked at us and said, ah, me out of itself it made itself a lamp and they were two in one and one in two how can that how that can be he knows who so decrees Um, this is the first guy that we see who is not just cut um but who is well i guess the other guy was missing his ear and i suppose that counts um but this is a little bit more extreme um who's actually we're talking about divisions he's actually been divided into two pieces right such that he has to go around carrying his own head um i don't know what to make of it but i think there has to be something here If I were wanting to write a paper, what I would do is I would look at all of the examples of the times in the inferno when Dante has either A, expressed his own incredulity about what he was about to explain, or B, professed concern about the probable or almost certain incredulity of his audience. And I would think about those in conjunction with the Gerion incident and this the fraud business and the whole like fraud and my poem when he names his poem and then talk about allegory and the effigy of fraud um because that was one of the major examples of this the Gerion description and scene and i would think about the and i would begin to think about what kind of patterns are there here because this is something that again i feel like we're seeing more frequently here in the lower parts of hell, his repeated recourse to this kind of motif, that not only are you not likely to believe um, what he is describing, but he himself can barely believe what he is describing. Um, And how does this fit in with things like fraud and allegory? Um, And again, it's are do we see in this a kind of anxiety in dante um even a kind of connection again this is where i come back to Jerian, right um connection between fraud and his poem right that again dante feels himself in kind of perilous orbit of the circle of fraud here um and that some of that uncertainty or anxiety is manifesting itself in these protestations. Theorizing on the fly here, but uh, that's certainly something I find interesting. Um, okay, more on Headless Lamp Dude. When it was just below the bridge, it lifted its arm together with its head, so that its words might be more near us. Words that said, again with the proximity of words, and this time the words are distant from the body, but not the head. So whereas we had the disjunction, the throat is cut, the uh the source of breath has been severed, and yet words still emerge. Right here, words are still emerging from the head, even when the head is entirely severed. Um uh, yeah, yeah. Um now I'm all off on a whole like proximity of the words to the speaker uh, 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 kick here this evening. Anyway, sorry. Okay, what um, words that said right now? You can see atrocious punishment. You who still breathing, go to view the dead. See if there's any pain as great as this. And so that you may carry news of me, know that I am Bertrand de Born, the one who gave bad counsel to the fledgling king. I made the son and father enemies. Akitophel, with his malicious urgings, did not do worse with Absalom and David. Because I severed those so joined, I carry, alas, my brain dissevered from its source, which is within my trunk. And thus in me one sees the law of contrapasso. That is where that word comes from. This is the one usage of that word in the Divine Comedy. One sees the law of contrapasso, of counter-penalty as, as uh, Mandelbaum translates it. Um, okay. First, before we think about contrapasso, let's think about the sins of these folks. Muhammad, Pierre, and, uh, Pierre, and um, Bertrand, Bertrand de Bourne. Who is it? Am I remembering correctly? He was a troubadour also, wasn't he? Troubadour poet, I think he was. Anyway, sorry. Um, uh, okay, so. Their sins, Muhammad, Pierre, Bertrand de Bourne. What, do the, what does this show, What conclusions can we draw about schism? right about schism and fraud and don't forget battles and literary depictions of battles but right? from the initial context okay uh bruce he is i thought so i was pretty sure i was remembering correctly that bertrand de bourne was a troubadour um okay um Okay, so, sorry, folks on Twitch are still having issues with my audio. I have no idea. There is literally nothing different about my audio setup than ever. You might hear some background noise. I mean, I have my little heater on, as I usually do, because it's still freezing in the basement where I broadcast from. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Um, Interesting that it's not sounding weird to the others. Hmm. Strange. Anyway, I apologize Um, that things are weird, and I will just hope that it ceases being weird somehow, um, as mysteriously as it began. Anyway, okay, so, um, yeah. um, I don't think there's another live mic. Nope. Nope. Definitely not. Sorry. Sorry. I'm getting all distracted with tech supporting now though, but I wanna I don't wanna let me, let me let me just try one thing just to see if it makes a difference for you guys. How about that? That make a difference? Is that better? That change anything? Um okay. Uh we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. So so patterns. Bertrand de Bourne gave bad counsel to the fledgling king. I made the son and father enemies, and he compares himself to Akitophel in the story of Absalom and David. So with Absalom and, and David, and with the son and father being made enemies, giving bad counsel to the fledgling king, it is clear that it's, it's not only schism a heretic might be a schismatic in the sense that they're creating divisions within the church or something. But all of these seem to have in common creating, fomenting civil wars, essentially. Um, Muhammad being not only a religious, but also a military leader. And it's certainly true that Muhammad in his teachings, that one of the results was war, right? That came from that. And again, the interesting thing there is it suggests not the idea. If, if, that's the, if that's the trend, then it would not be that Muhammad is being condemned for separating from Christianity or that Islam is being characterized as a you know schismatic sect um, of Christianity, but rather creating divisions within his people right? Like that is fomenting the civil wars that he participated in for the rest of his life. In fact, it would suggest that Muhammad's religious stature and his religious teachings would be something like irrelevant to what got him here. Um, and I wonder, you know, it's strange. Um, it's strange and curious. It would be weird to, can you know, condemn Muhammad to the Christian hell with no reference to like, religion at all, right? That would be unusual, uh, for sure. <clears throat> but it seems like, and again, so I, again, I come back to the military context, right? We were introduced to this by being asked to remember the descriptions of all the mutilated corpses and all the, you know, the uh, the literary accounts of all of the wars of the land of Italy, right? Um, from Trojan, you know, from the Trojan invasion up until modern times. Um, and then we're introduced to the schismatics in this way. Bertrand de Bourne is the one who seems clearest to me. Um, let me go back for just a quick second to Pierre. Uh, here, yeah. Um, no, he's not talking here about exactly what he did. Um, but this seems to be this seems to be um, this seems to be the trend. Um, David is wondering how clearly David would have understood the political situation of early Islam not very well i wouldn't think um i can't imagine what kind of historical resources he would have available to him um about you know the sort of the political history of you know arabia um at that time um so yeah i i, I can't imagine he knows very much which is again another reason why it seems to me so odd um to characterize muhammad chiefly, like first and foremost, what he's going to go down in, you know, history, Dante's history, because remember, this is the literary account describing corpses, which trumps all of the other literary accounts, which trump corpses, right? So again, by invoking, as I said, not only military scenes, but descriptions of military scenes, he is putting his poem in that context from the start um, to include... Muhammad there as his sort of defining sin, um, it's strange. So, um, the, um, the schismatics there, it's not a conceptual, these are not conceptual schisms that we're talking about. These are civil wars that we're talking about chiefly. Um, being the people who brought about wars. And this, I think, is what brings us back to the fraud context, the big pattern of fraud uh, that we have been seeing, at least most of the time, I think, um, in, um, in the Eighth Circle. And that is personal gain, right? Um, why did you lead civil war? right um what did your decision to foment a civil war say what does it say about you well what it says is you put your own cause your own desires your own motivations your own politics above the integrity of the nation right it's more important um uh there is a sense in which they were sort of gaining by this, right? I made the son and father enemies, um, says Bertrand de Born. Um, I severed those so joined, um, and so he carries his brain dissevered from its source, which is within my trunk. Um, it is unnatural. That's what Dante emphasizes about the headless Bertrand, right? It is unnatural for a body to be walking around and holding its head, and I think Sir Gowan would agree with him on that point—that um, uh, it's unnatural for that to happen—and um, it's that same kind of unnaturalness, which again, it's this is why the bodies are all mutilated, right? The bodies, which are, uh, you know, the image of God, the the the, the fully intact and integrated body is. Up you know, a sign of of, uh, of 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 health and of, again, a connection to God himself and God's design. Um, they are having their own body plans messed with, right? Because they messed with the body plan of the body politic, I think primarily the body politic. Um, um, and this would seem to answer the question about why, again, why is Muhammad here and not with the heretics? Because it's not for heresy. It's not um, schisms, Within the faith, within any faith, um, that seemed to be primarily of issue here. Now, back to that last word, contrapasso, which I've confessed to being annoyed by, or at least annoyed by the way that it tends to get um, applied. Um, Well, here we have an explicit reference to the law of contrapasso. So, since Bertrand de Bourne gives himself as an illustration, explicitly as an illustration of the law of contrapasso, what is the law of contrapasso? then um and what it is explicitly not again this is why i get annoyed um people talk about the law of contrapasso like it's a reversal right like you've got the thing and then the thing is being like ironically reverts like rebounding upon them and 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 being reversed that's not what we see right he is very much not saying like you know Because I divided things in life, now I'm being forced to weld things together, right? That would be a reversal, right, of what he did. But that's not what's happening, right? That which I did is being done to me. That thing that I participated in is being perpetuated, is being uh, perpetuated literally, repeated again and again as he goes around the circle. Um, It's being made literal in me, made visible and tangible in me that seems to me what the law of contrapasso means um uh in this way um yeah tony like he's being forced to endure the wounds that the soldiers um might have endured uh in the wars that they caused yeah yeah um, yeah yeah um, okay Let's keep going. We can at least begin canto twenty-nine. Get close to the end here. So many souls and such outlandish wounds had made my eyes inebriate. They longed to stay and weep. Oh, sorry. I I had thought it was earlier that he was being rebuked. It's not. It's here at the beginning of the canto. I should have known that was a transitionary moment. Transitional moment. They longed to stay and weep. Now we're getting a distance between Dante and his eyes. Right. His eyes are longing independently to stay and weep. Oh, wait. So Dante's eye, what is Dante holding his eyes on a string now? Like Dante's eyes are separating from his body. Watch out, Dante. Maintain your per, your physical integrity. Anyway, his eyes are inebriate. They long to stay and weep. But Virgil said to me, why are you staring so insistently? Why does your vision linger there below among the lost and mutilated shadows? You did not do so at the other moats. If you would count them all, consider. 22 miles make up the circuit of the valley. The moon already is beneath our feet. The time allotted to us now is short, and there is more to see than you see here. Okay, so this is where Virgil moves him along. Um, I love Virgil's response, and I think that, um, the engineers in the, in the crowd will appreciate this as well, right? Uh, Virgil's response to die. like, are you trying to count them all? Oh, just do the math, man. It's much easier, right? Look, the, uh, the the circumference of the circle is 22 miles. With that given piece of data, you can surely calculate for yourself how many souls there are in a jiffy. And then you want to stand there counting them all like an idiot, right? So let's do the math and let's move on. Seems to be Virgil's response. Um, and um, I, I find that really kind of funny. Um, Funny, especially because Virgil doesn't seem to get it. I I can't help but feel like Virgil is missing the point here, right? Um, Dante is mesmerized by these guys, right? Um, His eyes are drunk. His eyes have been inebriate. They long to stay and weep. So again, this sort of, and once more, I see this sort of, implicit connection between Dante and the sinners below, right? We've gotten, we've gotten, you know, the guy with his guts hanging out, split down the middle with his guts hanging out. We've gotten the guy with his severed face and the talking slit throat. And we've, and we got the guy with the severed head, the talking severed head. Now we get Dante with his like detached eyes, right? Floating around. um, why why is dante's physical integrity at least metaphorically at least poetically being violated here um and my answer is it does this uh does this pouch also strike kind of close to home for dante well yeah yeah dante take part in any civil wars Mm, kind of yeah yeah um did Dante foment any civil wars? Did he try? If you foment civil wars in your heart, it's just as bad as fomenting civil wars in, right? I mean, that would be kind of like an application of the Sermon on the Mount, I think. Um, did Dante, when he was exiled by his political opponents, Want his allies and people to rise up and overthrow the evil people who had cast him out unjustly from Florence? Bet he did. Bet he did. Bet he thought about that. Bet there are times when Dante thought civil war would be better than to suffer these injustices. Right? So that I may restore my position in society, so that I may recover my uh, stolen goods, so that I may. uh, restore my reputation. Um, which of course I keep hearing that Dante's distant descendants are still to this day attempting to do here on the, uh, uh, I forget what anniversary, uh, of things. Um, um, yeah, I just saw an article about this. One of Dante's descendants is suing in court to try to get them to repeal his banishment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it's, that's great. That's 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 excellent. Let's uh, by all means keep the law courses law course occupied with things like that. But anyway, um, so yes, is Dante involved in some ways with that circle? Yeah, yeah, I think he is. But Virgil doesn't get it. Doesn't seem to get it at all. He's like, what are you counting them? They just calculated. It. It's fine. We gotta hurry up. The moon's already beneath our feet, right? And here again, he's making reference to the time of day. Um, it's getting late. We have an appointment. We have a schedule. We have an itinerary we have to keep to. Mount Purgatory awaits. Let's keep moving. Um, Michael's thinking that 22 is a peculiar number. Does it mean something? Um, yeah. Oh, of course it does. Is Dante going to throw out a number like 22 and not have it mean something? Do I know what it means? No idea. No, no, I have no idea what it means. But does it mean something? I'm sure it does. It, it, it almost has to. It almost has to. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Virgil's obliviousness to what's going on with Dante is interesting to me. And so we talked until we found the first point of the ridge that if there were more light, would show the other valley to the bottom. When we had climbed above the final cloister of Malabolgia, so that its lay brothers were able to appear before our eyes, I felt the force of strange laments, like arrows whose shafts are barbed with pity. And at this, I had to place my hands across my ears, just like the sufferings that all the sick of Valdiciana's hospitals, uh, Marema's, Sardina's, from july until september would muster if assembled in one ditch so was it here and such a stench rose up as usually comes from festering limbs he is assaulted by the sound and by the smell from the last it smells like gangrene right and it sounds like the suffering of all the sick. So just as in the last circle, we were gathering together all of the wounded and slaughtered on the battlefields of all of the literary depictions of all of the wars of Italy. So here we are gathering together all of the sick people from all of the hospitals of Italy and imagining the sound of all of their suffering combined together um a couple things here one the parallel interests me the parallel between the last two of these uh um especially since we're we're, we're both of them as we're going to see are having bodily integrity issues um but not only that um it's like he's taking turns with his it was it was all about the eyes in the previous one right the sights that he saw that he sees even now remember that like the all the 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 repeated emphasis of like what i saw you know, I couldn't even believe it. You certainly won't believe it, but I barely accept my conscience tells me that it's true. And and him talking about what he saw and what he still sees now, like the, the vision of these things is still in front of him. And then of course we have his eyes, which are detached on their own there at the end. Um, uh, it was all about the eyes. And now it's all about the ears and the nose. such so that he's now actually covering his ears, right? He places his hands across his ears to protect them from the sound. But the force of the strange laments, here's the other thing that I'm interested in here. The force of the strange laments are like arrows whose shafts are barbed with pity. Barbed with pity. So the pity isn't what makes the arrow sink in. The pity is what makes them really painful to pull out, right? Um, The laments are going in, right? He can't help it. But pity, uh, which is why he's just trying to protect himself, right? Um, And he covers his ears. Um, Barbed with pity, I think, is such a powerful metaphor. Um, And yes, I think, Tony, that he's... I think these are lepers' hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gerald is wondering why July through September? Um, Malaria season, Gerald says. Disease. Uh, Disease season. But also, I've got to think... That these places smell their worst between July and September. It's the smell he's describing there in that sentence. And I think that's when it's much, much worse. Um, yeah, exactly. That's what Jocelyn was saying. In the stink, the stink uh, in the heat is worse, is worse. yeah, yeah. Um, OK. Some lay upon their bellies, some upon the shoulders of another spirit. Some crawled on all fours along that squalid road. We journeyed step by step without a word, watching and listening to those sick souls who had not strength enough to lift themselves. I saw two sitting propped against each other, as pan is propped on pan to heat them up, and each from head to foot spotted with scabs. I have never seen a stable boy whose master waits for him, or one who stays awake reluctantly. So ply a horse with curry comb as they assailed themselves with clawing nails. Their itching had such force and fury, and there was no other help. Um, yeah, this is seriously gross. For my money, this is worse than the dismembered folks, but maybe that's just my personal tastes. Um, The stable boy metaphor. Oh my goodness. Um, I have never seen a stable boy. So we've got two stable boy circumstances. We've got one stable boy whose master is waiting for him. So he's rushing because he's being called for and another stable boy who's rushing because he's lazy and he's reluctantly awake. He wants to go back to bed or he wants to get to bed sooner. And so he's hurrying up and doing a sloppy job, but like hustling as fast as he can uh, in brushing down the horses. So in either scenario, the stable boy is just brushing as fast and hard as he possibly can um that's a simile for how they scratched themselves with their clawing nails it their itching had such force and fury as that because of the scabs I didn't see the scabs and the itching coming at first, right? At first, it sounds like they're invalids, right? Like they're incapacitated with illness. Some lay on their belly, some on the shoulders of another spirit. Some crawled on all fours. Um, They don't have the strength to lift themselves. They're propped up against each other, right? That's what we're seeing in the background here behind me, by the way. Um. But then we get the scabs, the scabs and the itching. So the only thing activating them. So we see this general lassitude on the one hand. And, you know, the weak, this weakness, the, um, um, uh, the weakness, the crawling. And then we get the itching, right? The itching and the scratching. And so their nails kept scraping off the scabs, just as a knife scrapes off the scales of carp or of another fish, with scales more large. Okay, thank you for that simile. That's even worse. Oh, you who use your nails to strip yourself. Stop it for crying out loud with the scabs. My guide began to say to one of them, and sometimes have to turn them into pinchers. Seriously, tell us if there are some Italians among the sinners of this in this moat, so may your nails hold out eternal at their work. You're killing me with this, Virgil. We too, whom you see so disfigured here, we are Italians, said one in tears. But who are you who have inquired of us? My, my guide replied. From circle down to circle, together with this living man, I am one who descends. I mean to show him hell. Um And Tony says, this is making me itch sympathetically. Me too. I am totally, I've been like forcing myself not to scratch myself, Tony, for like the last five minutes here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Virgil seems unbothered by this. Okay. So my question, as usual, This is, again, another place. We've not been told what their sins are yet. Um, What is their sin? Now, we're going to get told. It's going to be revealed eventually, whereas in some of these places, it's not been revealed really at all explicitly. Um, But we're going to get there. At least we're going to get something, and we'll see what we think about it. Um, But once again, it's being delayed. Let me just point out things that seem to jump out at me here, and then we'll stop the scabs all this emphasis on the scabs and the scraping of the scabs it's like currying a horse it's like scaling a fish it's we've got the pinchers and the um and the claws a scab well first of all like right after we've had the wounds right in the we've got the bloody gapes gaping wounds in the previous circle we've got the scabs in this circle Um, and I can't help, but think of, um, a a couple things. Um, uh, I can't help, but think of, um, hypocrisy, right? Like the, the scraping off of some, uh, of, of the surface of something, right? Um, it's not exactly the same as hypocrisy, obviously. Um, that was quite different, but again, that there's, um, the fact that they're always scraping off a superficial layer of skin seems important and potentially relevant to fraud. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. The other thing that I can't help, but think of, and I can't believe nobody has mentioned this yet. Thank you, Bruce. There it came in. I knew someone was going to finally talk about this. Eustace scraping off his dragonish skin, uh, in, uh, uh, the voyage of the Dawn Treader. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's, um, Just exactly what I was thinking of. I was also, of course, thinking of Naaman the leper uh, from Second Kings. Isn't it Second Kings? Um, He was an Elisha dude, wasn't he? That was an Elisha thing? Um, Anyway, yeah. Um, The idea of the contrast between cleaning. I mean, all the leprosy talk in the Bible. Right, about the uncleanness, the superficial uncleanness, right, of the skin and the cleansing, right? We've got the cleansing of leprosy uh used as a repeated image in the New Testament, the miraculous washing of uh uh of of naming the Moabite? See Moabite? He's from somewhere anyway, he's a Gentile. Um uh in the River Jordan, right? His seven baths in the river Jordan and the cleansing of his skin. Ah, Second Kings five nailed it. Um, yeah. Anyway. So um, that certainly seems another relevant thing, that connection to, to, to cleanness and uncleanness. Um, and they're scraping off of their scabs, like the scaling of a fish, right. Um, is like, not only it's not just the fact that they're itchy but like they're trying to cleanse themselves but they can't cleanse themselves all they can do is make their sores worse and worse um as they continue to scratch so it's it's like a repetition of that sort of cleansing process um again like eustace and the dragon skin um but um but but of no avail also kind of like eustace and the dragon skin at first but let me get away from that um yeah yeah um uh yeah okay um with that <laughs> with this pleasant visual image i will leave you for the evening i will be back next week to finish up the malabogia and descend into the ninth circle of hell very exciting fraudulent against people that you know against non-strangers um malicious fraud against non- non-strangers non going to be exciting so yeah uh yes, pleasant dreams everybody <laughs> and I'll see you guys next week. Bye now.